Welcome back, humans. Welcome to part three of my series entitled Sapiential Theology. My connection between the visions of Hildegard of Bingen and what is sapiential theology and why wisdom is a woman. And finally, in this episode, I will completely tie this together with the dialogue of Catherine of Siena and discover... Together, we will discover together what Catherine says in her dialogue about this very subject. So, to start off, I will finish out the essay for you. At the end of this essay was the time for the author to give my own viewpoint. So, the point of essays like this is to examine... A topic using source text and other quote-unquote experts. Someone more experienced, someone more knowledgeable than I. I explore what they say to make sense of this. And then at the end, I give my own viewpoint. I give what I have to say about the subject. So, as I write here, it says... Thus we have come to an area where my own thoughts, as the author and one of the characters within this drama of God's mission, of uniting himself to his creation, are worthy of exploration. I believe within salvation history there is a constant play between the Holy Spirit and Mary, between divinity and a female figure. This is seen in the Douay Rheims Old Testament translation of Ecclesiasticus, chapter 24, verses 24 to 26, which says... I am the mother of fair love, and of fear, and of knowledge, and of holy hope. In me is all grace of the way and of the truth. In me is all hope of life and of virtue. What I see here is a reference to Mary as the mother, and a reference to the Holy Spirit in his gifts of fear, knowledge, and holy hope. I can also see a reference to Christ as the way and the truth and the life, as seen in John 14.6. Where wisdom is saying that within her is the grace of the way and the truth and hope of life. Now, a reminder that this is found in the Dewey-Rheims translation of the Old Testament. And the book is called Ecclesiasticus. In other translations, it will be called Sirach or Ben Sirah. You will only find this by searching the Dewey-Rheims version. You only find it word for word this way by searching for that. Other translations took this version out for various reasons. I'm not going to speak on that. I'm not an expert on it. What I will say is that you will only find it in the Dewey Rames. That's D-O-U-A-Y dash R-H-E-I-M-S. Dewey Rames. This quote says, I am the mother of fair love and of fear and of knowledge and of holy hope. In me is all grace of the way and the truth. In me is all hope of life and of virtue. So we see all these gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see an echoing of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And this person speaking is saying that she is the mother of all of these things. Interesting. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit, united to Mary, that Christ became incarnate. And then spoke in the Gospel of John, claiming himself to be the way, truth, and life. 
Mary is the branch from the root of Jesse, and Jesus is the beautiful and glorious flower that blossomed from the straight and spotless branch. Therefore, I think, sapiential theology finds its climax in Mary. She is that place where divine power and wisdom meet, or met, with humanity. She is that place where the where divine power and wisdom met with humanity, femininity, and gentleness, where the Creator condescended to be united with His creation. Thus, from that climax, we have God incarnate, divinity entirely bound up with humanity. This, I believe, speaks of the way we can conceive God within us when we are free of any hindrance and fully allow Him to do His work. When we do what Hildegard's visions compel us to do and allow ourselves to be moved by and through God to that betterment and advancement that he wants for us, we, like Mary, can also be that place, an embodiment of sapiential theology where the divine unites with the human. To conclude, Hildegard of Bingen is known for her legitimate contributions to the church through things like music and medicine. However, her contributions with regard to wisdom and sapiential theology are equally, if not more, essential. While she does not really offer anything new in this area, she does express it in a way that is genuinely coherent with the entire church tradition, which is not something to scoff at. Thus, Hildegard's expression of sapiential theology is a manifestation of God's plan for humanity's salvation, which is conclusively union with him. So what we find in Hildegard's skivias, her visions, is the crux, the purpose, the point, the climax of all of salvation history, of all of scripture, of why God became man in Jesus Christ. That purpose is to unite us with him. Seems overly simple to some. We get used to it over time. But it's a tremendous thing. It's an unrepeatable thing. And there's only one way to achieve it. The way, the truth, and the life Jesus Christ claimed himself to be. It is only through him that we will achieve that union with God. That he so long desires for us. Has so long desired. And still desires for us. There's nothing more, it is clear. There's nothing more that God wants than to be united with his creation. Some have termed this as God being madly in love with us. You could say it that way. I don't disagree. So, to recap this whole essay, we began with this vision of wisdom being a woman. And then the Holy Spirit being there. And then we talking about wisdom is personified as a, as a female and as having male qualities, masculine and feminine. It gets kind of confusing, goes back and forth. What does this all mean? Then we come to a discussion of Mary as being the, the root that sprout from Jesse. And then Jesus is the blossom on the end of that rod, that, that branch that is straight and sinless. And then we find that the whole purpose of salvation history and of Hildegard's visions is for God to unite himself to us. So God united himself to 
humanity in the incarnation. That incarnation happened very specifically through a woman named Mary. And then God desires for each one of us to be united to him over and over and over, each individual human being to be united to him in a way that is not dissimilar to the way Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, was united to him. She conceived Jesus Christ in her womb, and we are called to conceive him within us over and over and over again for him to live within us when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and we conceive Jesus in our hearts and in our minds and in our wills, we allow him to be one with us. We're not giving birth to him in the same way that Mary did, but it's not entirely dissimilar. And that's what the church has taught for centuries. The church has taught this. That's what is recorded here in the visions of Hildegard of Bingen and her Skivios. That's what's recorded in all of scripture. God's pursuit of union with us and his pursuit for us to conceive of his son within us. For us to have his son, his word, his will living within us. Where is that in the dialogue? What does Catherine say? the other instrument of God. What does she say? Okay. Here, at the very end of the dialogue, Catherine says, O abyss, O eternal Godhead, O deep sea, what more could you have given me than the gift of your very self? You are a fire always burning, but never consuming. You are a fire consuming in your heat all the soul's selfish love. You are a fire lifting all chill and giving light. In your light you have made me know your truth. You are that light beyond all light, who gives the mind's eye supernatural light in such fullness and perfection that you bring clarity even to the light of faith. In that faith I see that my soul has life, and in that light receives you who are light. In the light of faith I gain wisdom. In the wisdom of the word, your son, in the light of faith I am strong, constant, persevering. In the light of faith I have hope. It does not let me faint along the way. This light teaches me the way, and without this light I would be walking in the dark. This is why I asked you, Eternal Father, to enlighten me with the light of most holy faith. Truly this light is a sea, for it nourishes the soul in you. Peaceful sea, eternal trinity. Its water is not sluggish, so the soul is not afraid, because she knows the truth. It distills, revealing hidden things, so that here, where the most abundant light of your faith abounds... The soul has, as it were, a guarantee of what she believes. This water is a mirror in which you, eternal trinity, grant me knowledge. For when I look into this mirror, holding it in the hand of love, it shows me myself as your creation in you and you in me through the union you have brought about of the Godhead with our humanity. This light shows you to me. And in this light I know you, highest and infinite good, good above every good, joyous good, good beyond measure and understanding, beauty above all beauty, wisdom above all wisdom. Indeed, you are wisdom itself. So again, 
we see the entire teaching of the Catholic Church encapsulated right there in that statement. God, divine Godhead, united to humanity in his Son, in desiring that for all eternity his creation, us, be united to him. That's it. That's all. That's beautiful. I hope you have enjoyed this. I hope you've benefited from it. And I hope you do actually go and read the essay. And dig a little deeper into this for yourself. Find whatever speaks to you. Maybe even read the Skivios. Maybe you want to take a deep dive into that. I encourage it. And I hope that you share this with anyone else that you know or believe or suspect would benefit from it. Have a very, very blessed day.